Well, good morning, Pathway Church. As uh, Pastor Brian said, my name is Nate. I'm one of the pastors here. What an honor and privilege it is to be able to bring the word today. And man, it's been a great day. Amen. And uh, we're just thankful. I'm thankful that we're here. And we're already running out of time, so I got to hurry up here. And I got a lot to say, I think, that the Lord's given me, so we're going to hang on, but we're going to have some fun uh, just for a brief time. Let's just have a little bit of fun um, as we get into this new series called Generation Now. And no matter where you're at, no matter your age and whatever generation, of course, you're going to say your generation was the best generation, right? But we're just going to have some fun with it. And this may connect with you and it may not. And some of these pictures may bring back good memories, maybe sad memories. I'm not sure. But as we kind of go through some of these generations, we're just going to throw up some pictures that may connect with you. And so real quick, we're just going to go through them. Is there anybody here that's part of the greatest generation? That would be that 1901 to 1927. If you're here, if you're online, and if, you, if you're from that generation and you, you know how to use the computer, I just want to give you two thumbs up, all right? <laughs> two thumbs up. So if you're online, drop a comment and stuff. But there's all these different photos, and we kind of keep going through them. We're having some fun. There's the silent generation. They say that's 1928 to 1945. Anybody know who that person is? Yeah. I'm not going to sing that song or some of her songs or dance like uh, she used to. And then for some of yeah, some of you want to see that. Okay, great. But then as we kind of go on, how about some baby boomers? Any baby boomers in here? Maybe, maybe, maybe that connects with you. Maybe it doesn't. Uh, maybe you're a Beatles fan. Uh, man, a lot of baby boomers. There again, if you're online, drop what it is that your generation is. And what about some Gen Xs? There's any Generation X uh, people here? Yeah. All right. A couple of you. Maybe that movie connects with you. Maybe it offends you. I'm not sure. Um, but we threw it up there. All right. So what about some millennials? Any millennials here? All right. And then there's Gen Z. We kind of tried to throw it all in there. Oh, don't go that one yet. Don't go to that one. Hold on. That's a surprise, all right? But some millennials, Gen Z, we got all the course, you know, got all the things that change. You got Blockbuster up there, which is no more, you know? And so you kind of move into some other things. Of course, all the social media just all went tech, you know? And then it went to, you went from the Beatles to a lot of boy bands and other things that happened, you know? So it's interesting. But for me, obviously, I'm up here, so I get this opportunity to talk about my generation, one of the greatest generations, all right? But something, we, you already got a sneak peek, but man, there was something about, and go ahead and show that next picture. If you had an opportunity to get the original Nintendo, yeah, so, and listen, I love the Atari. I love playing Pong. I loved it. But there was something about when you were able to get that, that's when you knew you reached. It's like today, kids, when they get the newest iPhone 80, you know, um, or whatever, 1,000, whatever we're on, what number we're on. That's what it was for that day. So all the young people that don't know what that is, yes, that's where, I mean, Atari started it, but that was, that was it. And so let me kind of share some other pictures with you that, yes, did anybody have a station wagon with the third row facing the other way? So I really wanted to find a picture of me and my brothers in the back. Um, and of course, you know, what was crazy about this, even though now this would not fly in today's world, but what's crazy is if you grew up with three other brothers, so four of us in the back, you really felt sorry for really the people behind us because we were, 
we were doing a lot of things that thankfully we found Jesus now. And um, so that's good. All right, I think I have one more here. I believe there's, there's one more. Yeah. <laughs> I'm telling you what, man, when you got that Walkman, especially with those orange little ear things, man, those were it. Those were styling. And then, man, I tell you what, the day came when you got that little CD player. And what's great about a CD player is you thought you were cool and you'd put it on your side and you'd go for a jog and it kept skipping. But you were like, yeah, just waving at the neighbors like, I got it. I, I can't really hear the music because it's skipping, but I got it. But if you had a Walkman, that was a lot of fun. And then this may bring back something for all of us, but this is really cool. I actually, <laughs> this is the original iPad, all right? So the original iPad is the Etch-A-Sketch. <laughs> and so... And so the good news is, is that I actually put all my sermon notes on here, all right? Oh, oh wait, now we're all in trouble, right, you know? But Etch-A-Sketch, anybody have one of these? I mean, this is like a lot of generations, all right? There's a lot in here. I believe it actually came out in like the 50s, but uh, having some fun with just some of the things as we think back, and this is going to be a great series. But with all that, let, him, let me pray, and let's just get into God's word and see what he'd have to say to us. I believe God has given me something today to share with you. And just bear with me today. Before I pray, I'm going to give a lot of information. And there's going to be a lot of info, and there's going to be a lot of things that's going to be shared. But just hang on for a few minutes with that and just hear God's word today and then hear what he would have to say to you through this information but let me pray. Dear Heavenly Father, it's just good to be in your house. It's good to laugh. Man, it's good to laugh. It's good to come in your house and know we're with fellow believers and others that are searching for you and maybe to find you for the first time. And may your word do what it says, that it never come back void. And may they not see me, but may they see you, and may we feel your presence like never before today. In Jesus' name, amen. And so we're going to start off, and today we're kind of going to jump right in, and we're going to talk about a few things. And if you have your Bibles, it'll be on the screen, of course, but we're going to start in Hebrews chapter 11, and there's a reason we're starting there in verse 32 through 34, and we're going to talk about one person that's mentioned here. And so obviously, if you've been around church a little bit, you know Hebrews 11 is called the Hall of Faith. It's kind of the foundation of all these amazing people. And I want you to get this today before we jump into some of the information and some of the things we're going to talk about today. And it says this from God's Word. And what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, and became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Powerful words spoken about some powerful, mighty men in the hall of faith. But there's one person we're going to focus on today in that verse of Scripture, and it's Gideon today. And so I want to give you some information, kind of give you the backdrop of the story and set up what's about to happen and what's taking place in and about Gideon. And so it starts with this. Israel was in some bad shape. For the last seven years, they had been driven from their homes by the Midianites, 
forced to live in mountain caves. Now, this is important. The Midianites destroyed their crops and killed their livestock. Forced to live in these caves, and listen to this, they're working animals they destroyed. So the Israelites had no way to earn a living or make food. They cried out to God for help. And he, re- he responded by sending a prophet to remind them of all the amazing things he had done for them in the past. So do you remember, for some of us, the story of Moses leading God's people out of Egypt after a series of plagues? God parted an enormous sea, some of us know that story, for the people to walk through. Now he wanted them to have faith that he could save them from the Midianites. So God sent an angel to choose an unlikely leader, Gideon. And he wanted to lead the Israelites into battle. But Gideon was reluctant. His first response out of Judges chapter 6, verse 13. And Gideon said to him, and we're going to come back to this, but just let me set the foundation today. Gideon said to him, please, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? Mm-hmm. Sound familiar? And where are all the wonderful deeds that our fathers recounted us? We're going to get back to it, but just kind of hear it today. Saying, did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and given us into the hands of the Midian. God reassured Gideon that he was with Israel, but Gideon protested. Skip a couple verses down, verse 15. And he said to him, please, Lord, can I save, how can I save Israel? Behold, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. One version even says that he's the runt of the litter. And we're going to get back to that. Once again, God promised Gideon he would be with him, only this time the angel performed a miracle to give Gideon further assurance. So Gideon put his faith in God and led an army out, of, to, out to confront the Midianites. Now I'm just setting the stage. So how strong was Gideon's faith? We're about to see. Judges is set shortly after the conquest of Canaan. Moses and Joshua are both dead and buried. The great kings like Saul, David, and Solomon are yet to be born. The the Bible describes the situation like this in Judges 17, 6. In those days, there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in their own eyes. But if you have kids and you trust your kids to be good sometimes, you know what happens. When the parents are away, right, the mouse or the cat's away, the mice will play. Sometimes we don't always listen to what we're supposed to do. Amen? Amen. So unfortunately, what happens is, is that there was a little bit of short-sightedness. Without no strong, stable leadership, everything kind of went astray. Everything was kind of getting messy. Things were happening. The enemy was coming to harass them. There was a lot of things going on. And so listen, these spiritual military leaders were called judges. And so here's where we're turning the pages today. If you ever need a reminder of God's tolerance and love, you'll find it in the book of Judges. If you ever wonder how in the world could God use you to change the world or make a difference, look at these people, flawed people in the hands of a flawless God. Amen. You thankful for that today? Amen. Amen. So Gideon's story takes place in Judges 6, and it starts here in verses 1 and 2. We already talked about this, but I want you to get this. The people of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord gave them into the hand of Midian seven years. And the hand of Midian overpowered Israel, and because of Midian, 
the people of Israel made for themselves the dens that are in the mountains and the caves and the strongholds. The Midianites, now listen, I'm giving you a lot of information, a lot of story. They were a nomadic tribe that would wait until the Israelites had harvested all their crops and raised their cattle and then swooped down and raided their farms, stealing what they could and destroying the rest. They were the neighborhood bullies. And after seven years, this routine was starting to get a little old. And so finally, when the Israelites had nowhere left to turn, sound familiar today? When you got nowhere left to turn, nowhere left to turn, and sometimes, unfortunately, it's our last resort, the Israelites turned to God. Who in turn called a young man named Gideon to rescue his people? But Gideon wasn't what you might expect to be this mighty hero. The first thing as we learn about Gideon was this, is that Gideon was afraid. Come on now, church, does it sound familiar for us today? When we're going through the battle, when we're going through the valley, when we're going through things, and maybe it's the last thing we turn to is God, because maybe we're afraid of what's going to happen. Amen? Amen. So the Bible introduces us to Gideon saying this, verse 11, And there came an angel of the Lord and sat under an oak, which was an Ophrah, that pertained unto Joash the Abzerite, and his son Gideon threshed wheat by the winepress to hide it from the Midianites. Now we're going to get back to this. But Gideon was so afraid that instead of doing the wheat out in the open in the threshing floor, and you can still see this today and how it happens, if you're going to do this and you're going to separate the wheat and the chaff, you want to do it in an open space. You want to do it where it's open and it's free and you're going to see this happening and you can still see this today and how they do it. But he was so afraid of what was happening with the Midianites, what Gideon was doing is that he was hiding down in the wine press. Now what's interesting about this is that the two differences in where you would want to do the wheat and in where he was doing it. So the last place you'd want to do it is in the bottom of a wine press. As I said, threshing floors were usually wide open spaces, but a wine press is just the opposite. A hollowed, hollowed out stone pit in which grapes were packed and then danced on in order to squeeze out the juice. Within the small confines of a wine press, only a very small amount of wheat could be threshed at a time. Yet Gideon was attempting to thresh his wheat inside the wine press because he was afraid of the Midianites. Does it sound familiar maybe today that you're so afraid, you're so scared, you know where God's calling you, you know maybe the battle's out there waiting for you, you know what he's asking you to do, but you're so afraid, you're missing out on what God has for you out there because we're so scared, we're sitting down in the wine press. And we miss out on what he has for us, we know maybe that the battle is out and we're not sure what's going to happen out there, but what happens is, is because what? It's easier to flight, it's easier to hide than to fight. It's easier for us to stay down in the wine press where we're comfortable. Let's just stay down in here. Even though Gideon knew that he was called to go out. Verses 12 and 13 in Judges 6, and says this, And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, The Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. And Gideon said to him, Please, my Lord. Mm, sound familiar? Please, my Lord. If the Lord is with us, then why has all this happened to us? If you are with us, why has all this happened to us? And where are all your wonderful deeds that our fathers recounted to us, saying, Did not the Lord 
bring us up from Egypt, but now the Lord has forsaken us and given us into the hand of Midian because what happens is the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy, to distract, derail, and discourage us because what he wants us to live in the wine press. He wants us to forget about what God's done for us. And so it's easier for us to be afraid and be down in the wine press and say, you know what? Okay, if you're so good, God, where are you? If you're so good, where are you? And you hang on and you quote scripture and you're saying, God, I know you've come. I know you've done these things for me. But then the enemy keeps speaking to you, right? Keeps getting in your mind, keeps getting in your heart and saying, man, where is your God now? Do you see the battle that's happening? Maybe it's just me today. Maybe it's just me. So what's interesting is this, is that what happens is sometimes when we get down in that wine press and when we get down in there and we can't focus and I think I just broke my mic by the way so I'm so sorry let me get this real quick I apologize I guess that means I got too excited all right awesome (laughs) man of many talents can fix mics but what's interesting is this is that does it sound familiar can you sense Gideon's bitterness and frustration with God. And can you relate? Can you sense the bitterness? Because when we're afraid, we look for things to happen, right? We look to blame somebody. We look to try to be bitter. Like, God, if you're so good, where are you? Why the financial issues? Why the health issues? If you're so good, Just let me be who I am and let me be down in the wine press where I'm comfortable and where it's okay. Because I know if I get up out of the wine press and I go to the threshing floor and I know maybe what you're going to call me to do in the battle you're about to have me fight, I'm not ready. And so as the conversation continues, the angel tells him that God has chosen him to save Israel. But again, Gideon reveals his pessimistic heart saying this in verse 15. And he said to him, please, Lord, how can I save Israel? Behold, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I'm the least in my father's house. Have you felt that way? (laughs) Why me now, God? Why are you calling me up out of the wine press to fight the battle? Do you know who I am? Do you know what side of the tracks I come from? Do you know what I've been through? Do you know my family's history? Then break the history today and step out of the wine press and see what God has for you in the midst of the battle today. So Gideon questioned God's presence altogether. Listen to this. Bitterness and disappointment can move us down into the wine press of isolation. That's where the enemy wants you because if he can get you alone, he's got you. He loves lone rangers and discouragement. And once you're down there, it can be really hard to climb out. But listen to this. This is where things begin to change. From the bottom of the wine press, Gideon heard the earth-shattering voice of God himself call out in verse 16 I will be with you and you will destroy the Midianites as if you were fighting against one man so listen to this perceiving and practicing the presence of God is what makes the difference to Moses God said I will be with you to Jacob God said I am with you and will protect you everywhere you go to Joshua God said be strong and courageous and do not be afraid for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go realizing God's presence in our life is the only thing that can transform us and you from being afraid and having courage when Gideon realized that God was indeed with him 
him, Gideon became a game changer for change. And that's what we need today. We need people from all generations. Every generation, no matter your age, no matter what generation you come from, because it doesn't matter. We need all different ages, all generations to come together and say, here's the battle. We got to be in it together. We just stood up here together and showed you all different generations. We locked arms and said, we're in it. We're in it. And we need each other. This church isn't made up of just one age group. This church isn't just about one person. It's about all of us. And so the second point, I got to hurry and get through this. I'm sorry. But Gideon was a game changer. That's the second point. And maybe that's you today. Gideon's decision to climb up out of that wine press, amen, thank you, Jesus, for that, and follow God's call sparked renewal and revival in his little tribe. His first mission from God was to destroy his father's altar to Baal. The Bible says this. So in verse 27, Judges 6, 27, so Gideon took 10 men of his servants and did as the Lord had told him. Be obedient. Gideon rose above the influence of these bullies, of his neighbors, and destroyed this altar to Baal, erecting an altar to the one true God in its place. Listen to this. One man or woman changes the heart of thousands of people. That's what Gideon did. One of the most amazing things about genuine faith is how it inspires other people to step out in faith, to be a game changer for all generations, no matter your age. If you sit here today and you say, I'm too old to make a difference, if I'm too young to make a difference, that's from the lie. That's from, that's from the pit of hell. That's from the pit of hell. Do not listen to that voice if you're in the wine press today. Jump up out of there and be a game changer and get on the threshing floor and say, God, I know the battle's out there. What do you have for me? I'm willing to do it. Thanks, Mom, for clapping back there and starting that. Appreciate it. So here's what I want to say. i gotta, I got to keep rolling here. So here's what I'm, I'm giving you a quick story. Does, does anybody remember the four-minute mile and, and, and way back? And everyone said it couldn't be done. No one could do a four-minute mile, right? And, and, and they talk about, you can Google this. Where's Dawson? Dawson's going to, he's going to fact check me later. But this is, all right, just Google it later. But back in the day, the Greeks, they, they had wild animals chase people to try to run faster. They drank tiger's milk to try to think that was going to make them run faster. It's kind of like us today. We walk in GNC and it's like, give me all the pills, powders, and shakes I can get to be better, right? But this is what happened, right? This is what's going on. Nobody said that anybody could break the four-minute mile. Nothing could happen. All these people trying th crazy things. But some of you may remember this in 1954. What? Roger Bannister, right? He broke the four-minute mile. And what did he do? A few days later, not too much longer, a guy from Finland broke it again. And then now thousands of people break the four-minute mile. But listen, I tell you that story very quickly to say this. That's what modern-day Gideons do. They stand up and step out on faith, and they accomplish what everyone else says is impossible. And they inspire and challenge others to do the same. We need a church full of Gideons to jump up out of the wine press and get up and say, God, I'm willing to take the battle with whoever's around me and do it. Amen? So one person, now this isn't like, this isn't like the pregame speech. This is not a moment. This is a movement we're talking about. One person can change a church, a community, or even a country, or a generation. Gideon put an end to idol worship in his generation, but his job wasn't over. Whoo, Gideon was a game changer, man. Sorry, I get pumped. I'm ready to like do some push-ups up here or something, but, which I probably could use some of those, but anyhow. So Gideon, the, the third point is this, Gideon made some noise. And, and, and you're, some of you are going to love this, and some of you are going to hate it, and I love that. But it's all right. So. 
So what's interesting about Gideon is, is that he's still got this like wrestling, right? There's still these wrestling moments. And some of you may know this story, but for some of you, and I'm going to go through this rather quickly. But what happens is, is that before Gideon made some noise, this is what took place. Gideon was called out. He rallied 32,000 men who were willing to stand up and fight against the Midianites. But before heading off the battle, though, Gideon had a little conversation with God, right? Does this sound familiar to any of us? Come on now. He was still struggling with doubt, and so he asked God for a small sign. So he laid a wool fleece. Some of you know this story. He laid a wool fleece on the ground and asked God, I love this that Gideon is so like us, right? This is today. We face this today. So he was still struggling. He laid out the wool fleece on the ground and asked God to keep the grass dry, but allow the dew to collect on the fleece in the morning. So God, you know, I'm just not sure. I'm going to put out a fleece. Here's what I need you to do. Sound familiar, right? And so God did that, but of course that wasn't good enough. And so then what happened was, was this. He's like, you know what? Now I want you to keep the fleece dry and all the ground around it, put the dew on the ground around it. And so God did it. And so here's the question. You ever test God like this? (laughs) Maybe just me. And so then Gideon found the courage that he needed to make some noise. So he gathered his men and he set off to pick a fight, which, man, I love like when everything goes from PG to PG-13 in this moment, you know. (laughs) Like it's about to get just bloody. It's about to get crazy. You love a good war movie or something. And so I'm going (laughs) to try to jump through this rather quickly. But early in the morning, there's things that still happened that Gideon had to be obedient. And I'm going to tell the story rather quickly. But Gideon and his men set up camp south of the Midian army who were located in the valley near Mount Moriah. Now Gideon's men were outnumbered three to one. Listen to this. Already outnumbered three to one. And I'm sure you feel that way in your battle today. But apparently that was too many Israelites for God. The Lord said to Gideon, you have too many warriors with you. If I let all of, the, all of you fight the Midianites, the Israelites will boast to me that they saved themselves by their own strength. Therefore, tell the people, whoever is timid or afraid may leave this mountain and go home. So Gideon did that. And 22,000 men left. I can't imagine Gideon in that moment feeling a little abandoned. Feeling like, God, I know you did the fleece thing for me. I know you got me up out of the wine press, but now I'm kind of looking around thinking, what is happening? But that's not all. Got it down. He did a whole thing. God told him to go down. The men, if they lap like a dog or if they go and take it with their hand, all that tested him. He ended up with 300 men. 300 men. So he's going to go and he's going to go into battle. And so 300 men are going to go against an army of 100,000 And that's what's interesting that you won't believe what happens next. And so then what happens is Gideon separates them in three different groups. So there's 100 men in each one. And this is where things get kind of crazy. And I love this, and you got to get this today, as hopefully Pastor Eleanor doesn't get mad as I run over my time. (laughs) Go pick your kids up quick. So what happens is, (laughs) there's a reason why I'm not in a band, all right? So... So what happens is, is that they go down in this battle with 300 men. There's no way they should, no way they should win this battle. Right? There's no way you should win your battle, whatever that is. 
but there's something that we have different. And that's the power of the Lord on our side. And he's brought us up from the wine press. He's allowed us to be a game changer no matter what other people said. And we look around and we see the battle and it's us against thousands of people. It's us against whatever it is that's calling, the bank calling, the attorney calling, the family member calling that you've waited years and years to talk to and you still haven't forgiven them. Whatever the battle is. And so it's interesting, they go into battle, and for many of us, I think we feel like this as we're going in our battle, and we have the least, best, proper tools possible. <laughs> they go in with trumpets and jars of clay and, like, torches, but I thought fire wouldn't be a good idea, so I didn't bring that. <laughs> so, so I'm trying my best here not to have us all run out of here with the smoke alarm going off. So Gideon said, you go down there, and we're going to go to the edge of the camp, and we're going to go down there at night. And we're going to be in three different groups. And we're in three different groups all at once. We're going to blow our trumpets. We're going to break our jars. And we're going to say, for the Lord and Gideon. And there's all these Midianites. Now, you've got to understand something that happens during this time is that they went at night, and that normally didn't happen. And there's not normally that many people during this time that would have that many trumpets or have all the torches. And so what happened was, and what took place is, is that, so they go down there. I'm going to try to do everything not to also hurt myself during this, so just so you know. They go down there, and they, that's pretty powerful. You got to admit it. I mean, everybody's running at that point, right? I mean... <laughs> It's, it's just nothing else you can say, but that's scared about all of you. I know. <laughs> but what's interesting is there's a reason why I wanted this one. is because this is how it feels, doesn't it? We got 100,000 people coming after us. We only got 300 men, and we look around, and all of us are holding trumpets and jars. What in the world are we going to do? And then if our trumpets sound like they sound like that, we're all in deep trouble. Back to the four-minute mile, I don't have to run fast. I just got to run faster than you, right, <laughs> when they're coming after us. So they go down there. They blow their little trumpets. Yeah, you're awake now. <laughs> and they break their jars. And the Midianites are scared to death. It's dark. And they turn on each other. And Gideon and his probably weakest 300 men possible with their weakest trumpets and their jars of clay win the battle. And you're saying Gideon made some noise. And here's what I want to say is this. It doesn't matter what generation you come from. It doesn't matter what age you are. And it doesn't matter what battle you're in. God wants to use each and every one of you. And for some of us, we're kind of jumping in and we're saying, what is it that I have to offer? What is it that I got here to do? And it's saying, man, when we put ourselves and our gifts and talents in the hands of God, we can do some crazy awesome stuff. And so God wanted Gideon and all of Israel to know that the battle belonged to the Lord. 
They were victorious because God was with them. And as long as they followed his instructions, he would always fight their battles for them. So listen to this today. What was true for them is true for us today. So God wants you to make some noise, but he's the one who will fight the battles and win the victory. Your job is simply to trust him and do so and obey his instructions. You may want to put a fleece out and test God. You may want to stay down in the wine press. You may say, God, what can I do with my poor little trumpet and jars of clay? But just be obedient. Listen to his instructions. Trust and obey. That's how you become a game changer and make some noise. No matter your age, no matter what generation you come from today, God's looking for Gideons and Pathway Church to do something amazing. And you say, Nate, all that's great. And I'm going to share a story, and i got a lot of people that I've already shared what I was going to share in this moment, and they're praying for me. I know many of them are online. They're not here because they're in all different places, spiritual mentors and others. And I wanted to be vulnerable enough with you Because we walk in here and we all come from different walks of life. And we're all going through different things. And so I shared with you a couple years ago that many years ago I went through a situation. I won't go through the whole story. I'm not going to go through it all. Where I was obviously in a third world country and things happened and thought that was going to be the end of my life and in that moment it was it was crazy and and from that is the first time I experienced panic attacks and anxiety and I've been in the church for so long even at that point and I was like nobody ever talks about this nobody ever talks about mental health in the church no one ever talks about anxiety and but God's word talks about it it says be anxious for nothing And, it, and no one ever talks about it, and no one ever says anything. And so I'm, I'm just wanting to be vulnerable because you're like, Nate, that's great. That's a great pumped-up message, and I want to be a Gideon, and I want to make some noise and be a game changer. No matter my age, that's awesome. But I wanted to be vulnerable because, yes, it's easier said than done, and it's easier. It's like I tell our students. It's easier in this moment. And that's why I said this isn't a moment. It's a movement. And so some of you may know this, and this isn't just, I'm just being vulnerable. Please hear me out. But many of us have been through this in this room. But a couple months ago, me and my family, we went through COVID. No big deal. Thankfully, we're good. We're out, and there's all these things. But man, it was something about being quarantined and something about that whole just losing maybe control again. I lost taste and smell for three weeks, and it was about all of a sudden, what happened? It was like a flashback of something. It was like a relapse, and all of a sudden, anxiety filled my body. Couldn't sleep, couldn't eat, couldn't do it. And if you've been through it, you know it, and you know the pain, and you know the hurt. And it may not be anxiety for you, but maybe it's something else. But when you're like Gideon, And when you're suffering through that and you're in the wine press and you're saying, God, I'll do anything it takes to get me out of the wine press. Will you please take it away from me? Will you please relieve me of it? I just want to sleep 
Why is it at two or three in the morning in the darkest time of night you got me up and I hang on to God's promises? I'm reading his word and I'm fighting and I'm talking to God and saying, God, will you please let me rest and rest well? Why am I so anxious? What is it that you want me to learn and see from this? And you're sitting there and and you're saying, God, I'll fight to battle. I got my jar. I got my trumpet. Whatever it is that you can use, please, will you get me out of the wine press? the discouragement, the depression, the whatever it may be in your life or whatever it is that's happening, you're saying, God, will you please release me of it? And as I was telling this story and I was sharing it and some of my spiritual mentors and others that are watching have been praying for me, it's amazing. They're like, Nate, I'm feeling the same thing right now. And I got to thinking, it's like if they're experiencing it, then in a group this size, you must be experiencing it. And it may not be my thing, and it it may be different, but it's something that you're experiencing. And so all I'm saying is, is that together as a journey of life is that no one walks alone. And that we're saying, and many of us are saying, and we're here, and we're saying, I know I'm afraid, and Gideon was afraid. I want to be a game changer. I want to make some noise. But for many of us, the enemy loves to keep us down in the wine press. And you're saying, Nate, why do you share that story? Why are you saying that? Why are you telling us that? And I'm just saying this is, is that if we don't have the Lord and we don't have each other, then the enemy wins. And I'm telling you, God is ready for us to take the weirdest, craziest gifts and talents and say, get out of the wine press. Get up on the threshing floor and get out in the open. Yeah, there's going to be some battles, but you're going to do it together. Amen. And the reason I tell you this, it's like I tell our students. I broke my mic again. So I'm going to hold it here. But it's like I tell our students, I'm always going to be real with you. You just always be real with us. And that's what the students want. And I believe that's what I'm sharing my story with you is just to say, I just want to be as real as can be. Yeah, we all have titles, right? I have a title, Pastor Nate, but I have other titles. Son of the living God, husband, dad, friend, and other titles like anxiety. But I don't let that define me because I know he's already won the battle. And so my question to you and my thoughts to you as we wind this up is this, is Gideon was a fearful man in command of a fearful army, yet through him, God still accomplished a fearsome victory. Gideon became a game changer, not because he was a fearless warrior, but because he had enough faith to do what God had called him to do. Oh, sorry about that. To trust and obey. God is still looking for modern day Gideons of all ages from all generations. Men and women of courage who are willing to step up and step out on faith. Willing to make a difference. 
Nothing Gideon did was incredibly difficult. He had a promise to believe in, an altar to build, a torch to burn, a trumpet to blow, and a jar to break. But he acted in faith, and God gave him the victory. God uses ordinary, imperfect people from all generations to do extraordinary things. You might just be the person, but it takes faith to find out. So, it's all right. The enemy wants to defeat us. It's not going to happen. So here's the deal. Get this. I'm about to get this, get crazy here. So here's the deal. Here's the next step questions. Are you on the threshing floor or are you at the bottom of the wine press today? What are you afraid of? Step out today and start facing the battle like never before. Step out in faith. Where is God calling you to be a game changer? Where is God calling you to make some noise? How will you use your gifts, your trumpets, your jars, maybe the funniest, silliest things possible for each generation? God needs you. We need you. And you just never know what maybe somebody's going through that's down in a wine press. And maybe it's even me saying, man, as I go through maybe my anxiety, I need you. And so for many of us, we're about to give up. And we're about to quit. But don't quit. Step out and step up in faith. And allow God to use you like never before. We're going to sing this song called Surrounded. You've heard it before. And it talks about this is how I fight my battles. You know your battle. Altars are always open, a friend next to you, stand and worship, whatever you need to do. This is our moment, this is our time, and maybe as individuals, but also as a church, arm in arm to fight the battle. Don't stay in the wine press. That's where the enemy wants you. Grab whatever it is you got to grab. And get out on that threshing floor. And start saying, Lord, I'm going to lay it down. I'm going to do whatever you ask. And I'm going to be willing to go out and fight the battle. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. And in this moment, may the Lord's face shine upon you like never before. As you step up and step out and face your battle today. Let's stand.
Don't leave today without talking to somebody, praying with somebody. We'll be up here, uh, prayer partners. If you're new, check out our welcome uh, desk out here. Uh, we'd love to get to know you. If we haven't had a chance to meet, uh, I'd love to uh, meet you and talk with you. Um, that's what we love to do as pastors and staff. And we're just glad you've chosen to worship with us today. And we hope you prayerfully consider making Pathway Church your church home. We're all in the battle. We gotta have each other. We have the Lord. So thankful for a good day to be in his presence. And we love y'all so much. And uh, we're excited to see what he's gonna continue to do. So be back next week and see what God would have to say to you as we continue this series, Generation Now. Have a great day. We love you. Thank you.